Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO Chris Walls. Well, Chris. Thanks, Dan. Good to be here. All right, Chris. Uh, so let's click off today's conversation. Uh, talking about weekly jobless claims. Uh, those came out today, and we continue to see improvement with initial claims. We saw a decline of about 225,000 uh, week over week, and we saw continuing claims uh, fall another 600,000 week over week. So um, although these are still elevated, improvement, I would say, is, is certainly encouraging. Uh, so anyway, uh, any, any thoughts on this or items that you're watching and related to these, uh, these claims data? Yeah, no, it's definitely good to see the continued improvement. Uh, I think what will be interesting to see and what I really want to focus on over the next two or three weeks with the expiration of the enhanced unemployment benefits, is that going to accelerate people's desire to go back to work so we'll see an acceleration in that improvement? Or is it going to be a non-factor? And then we also need to see, I'd like to see one more week of data just to ensure that the storms we've had in the Northeast didn't skew this this week's report one way or the other. And we need to see since you know Trump put out his executive orders, if people are, are somewhat hesitant um, to seek work or they're waiting to see whether these enhanced unemployment benefits come back, even if it's at a lower dollar value. Um, but the improvement is certainly encouraging. The only thing that is concerning is there's just no doubt that a larger percentage of the continuing claims are moving from temporary to more permanent. And so what we're going to start to see since we, you know, kind of through this reopening is you're going to start to see the real structural employment and start to see more evidence of, of the real damage that's been done to the economy. Right. Um, and, and you're right. And, and as we talk about the economy and we talk about the market, uh, the last couple of weeks have, have been really interesting. We've seen a number of reversals, uh, you know, namely look at something like small cap value, cyclical financials. Uh, we know those, you know those have rallied significantly and those are coming at the expense of growth stocks and, and large cap. Um, the two, the two areas that have, have really driven the market so far in, in 2020. So, uh, you know, you previously mentioned the market positioning and the growth momentum. It's become overextended and that we could see some volatility and corrections around month end. And, you know, as risk managers, as risk managers are beginning to reduce their exposure uh, to the momentum trade. So, you know, the question here is, you know, do you think that's, that still is the primary driver or are there other fundamental factors involved? Yeah. No, I, I think. The shorter-term moves we're seeing are, is, is, is the de-risking and the unwind of, of this trade. Um, that being said, I, I do think there's some other fundamental underlying uh, issues or drivers that are going to start impacting the market leadership. I do think, you know, market, they, they bottom at a point in time, but tops are more of a process. And I, I think we could be in the early stages of putting in a top with the current market leadership. Um, and so I, I think we're going to see a lot more volatility. I certainly expect a lot more volatility. I think, you know, just given the damage that's been done to the economy, we're going to see an overwhelming amount of reflationary policies put in place in the second half of 2020 into 2021. And I think we're likely to see a material shift in market leadership over the next, call it 12 to 14 months. And if that does play out, um, it would certainly be very consistent with long-term cycles and history and just the extremes we are within the momentum trade and, and where we are from an economic fundamental standpoint. 
but it's not going to be a smooth transition. It's going to be very, very volatile. And, and when you mentioned reflationary policy, uh, would you add, uh, and, you know, just going a little bit further into that, what type of things would we be, uh, what should we be on the lookout for? Yeah, I, I think we're going to see an extraordinary amount of fiscal response to the damage that's been done to our economy. I, I think it's not apparent to market participants that the economy is in bad, as bad a shape as it is. Um, you know, certainly uh, we can see the unemployment numbers, but those are kind of invisible when you have the S&P probing new highs and NASDAQ going on to new highs and the bond portfolio, uh, you know, reaching all-time tights and spreads again. So there's this appearance that everything is good. The reality is we shoved an unprecedented amount of money into the system in a very short window, and it hadn't had time to go anywhere but into risk assets. And I'm talking about orders of magnitude larger than we've ever experienced. So money supply is growing at an all-time record, and all-time is a long time. And it's not just in the U.S., it's everywhere. And yet we have very serious structural damage and transfer payments are what have been supporting uh, consumption ever since the layoffs began. So we're either going to keep this level of transfer payments up, which means we're going to be printing trillions uh, and the Fed's going to be monetizing almost all of it. I actually think they'll monetize all of it, maybe then some. Um, or we're going to suffer a big correction because consumption will be let off disposable income from jobs and lower unemployment benefits. So um, I think that's what we're faced with. I think we're just faced with such structural headwinds uh, that we're going to have no other choice but to, to rely heavily on fiscal policy. Okay. Um, so, so it sounds like you know, it's a little bit of a, um, a bleak image that you're painting, and uh, to say the very least. Uh, so maybe we can talk a little bit about something a little, little bit more shiny. Uh, we're, we're most way through earnings season, and I'd say that you know for the most part, um, Wall Street and the likes are, are celebrating you know better than expected results. Uh, so any, any takeaways that you have from earnings season, and um, and where we are in, in the economic recovery at this point? Yeah, I, I think the the most interesting thing within earnings season was one, not surprisingly, but companies really attacked their cost structure. And that's why I think a lot of the layoffs we've seen will be permanent. Um, and so it's going to be difficult to get people back to work in a timely fashion. Uh, so the incremental margins that will come with a revenue recovery uh, will certainly uh, drive estimates higher. That said, um, it was interesting. The later companies reported in earnings season, I would, I would say the less bullish they were on the status of the recovery. And that's not surprising because I think in bulk, the bulk of June, July was all about the economy reopening, all about supply chain starting up, inventories rebuilding, getting products back out in distribution centers. And so that is the V-shaped component. But that really came to an end in July. And so, you know, companies that have been reporting in early August are already saying we're seeing plateaus in activity, which is completely consistent with, you know, our expectations for the recovery. So we kind of wound up just this week, the, the July kind of macroeconomic data, 
what we'll start to get going forward is going to be data that uh, is, is reflects August activity and August into September um, it will be a, a situation where the rate of change starts to flatten out certainly if uh, you know we don't get uh, an improve uh, another stimulus bill you know there's a fairly large fiscal cliff coming so look I, I personally think um, you know 2021 estimates are at risk again I, the market is always optimistic uh, led by Wall Street, which is always the last one to adjust estimates. Um, so I think we'll be bringing down 2021 estimates in the back half of 2020. And, and we're already seeing the leading indicators for consumer spending turned down. Now, what we need to pay attention to in that for the rest of August and early September is, is that slowdown or that downturn uh, that's being predicted in consumer spending just a slowdown within a cyclical recovery, or is it the actual end of the recovery? Uh, and it's going to be paramount that we monitor that over the next kind of four to six weeks. So, so you mentioned you know, part of part of the reason you know we're seeing you know, some earnings beat, um, or, or part of the reason this journey is positive. You know, we've seen just lower costs overall. Uh, you know, a quick follow-up question: that you know, is as you know, estimates um, are, are driven higher by this, and as work from home. Uh, continues, right? We've seen you know, a number of companies that uh, have mentioned that they're you know, they're going well into 2021 before they start uh, bringing people back on. So as work from home extends, you know, a lower overall cost for companies, less personnel, less travel. Um, you know, could that continued work from home stretch be positive for an extended period for companies in their earnings? I, it can, but I think it, there's a there's kind of a negative feedback loop to it, right? Right, which is if you have less cost, then there's less disposable income as well and eventually it starts to hit your top line so I, I think the reality is we just got to get people back to work and where they'll go and what they'll do I'm not sure uh, you know certainly in general you know restarting the convention business and and travel will bring a lot of people back to work but I think we're gonna have to rely on government spending to really get everybody back to work, which is why I think we're going to have such reflationary policies. Right. And, and speaking of government spending, uh, you know, we're looking to speak. You know, Washington seems to be an impasse uh, on passing more stimulus, and, and we've seen the enhanced unemployment benefits and other stimulus expire. So, um, is it, you know, do you think you know the lack of a stimulus package is a real threat to the recovery? And, and if you do, um, do you think the market is assuming Washington will, will get its act together and pass stimulus measures soon? Yes, I, I think it is incredibly important. Again, just we we pushed more money out uh, to the private sector than the impact of the shutdown had on the private sector. So we're running on an elevated sugar high. So there is a very material fiscal cliff in consumption, uh, in credit availability uh, that we're going to, if we don't get stimulus measures, we're going to experience it in the second half of 2020. But even if we do, we still have this fiscal cliff then in 2021, which again is why I think the the Fed and, and the federal government has just overplayed their hand. We had too many politicians talking about turning on and off an economy. And while there was a lot of uncertainty associated with COVID early on, as we gained real information on what the threat was, 
uh, we've gone way overboard and we're allowing politics to dictate uh, economic activity rather than science. And I think, unfortunately, the economic cost is going to be a, a situation that's not good for our dollar and, and certainly not good um, uh, socially as well. And so, yeah, I guess continuing that thread, uh, while we're, we're hitting on politics, we'd be remiss this week not to discuss uh, the Democratic ticket that was announced yesterday. So, um, you know, Joe Biden, he selected Kamala Harris as his running mate, and the market appeared to, to rally, uh, rally on the news. And so, you know, with, with uh, Biden and Harris, they seem to be leading the polls, and assuming that they win, they'll push to reverse things like tax cuts on corporations, capital gains. Um, so the question for you, you know, is do you think it's too early? The market's a discount, the risk of higher uh, tax uh, higher tax rates, or do you think the market's signaling that the polls are, are wrong in predicting a Biden victory? Yeah, I, I think it's a couple of things. I think, one, Wall Street's incredibly relieved it's not Elizabeth Warren. Uh, that's just a very different animal involved than uh, Harris is. Um, the market also knows it is early. Um, there's a little bit of distrust of the polls in general. And certainly the experience of the last several election cycles kind of calls into question the, the experts and the accuracy of polling. And, you know, while it's, you know, we can certainly see it coming up on the calendar for election day, it, in, in political time, there's a lot of time between now and November. Uh, but just as importantly, you know, selecting, uh, Harris is almost saying, you know, it's a steady-as-she-goes policy, right? Biden-Harris are, are career politicians. Um, they are completely beholden to the establishment. Um, if, you know, if you're an investor and what you care about is how capital is going to be treated, I think you can rest assured those two are going to treat the wealthy very well uh, because they're just establishment politicians. They're, they're going to treat capital very well. Um, they're probably not going to stand up to some of the more threatening elements outside of the country, such as China and other things. And they'll pay a lot of lip service to, you know, the real social issues we need to deal with, as well as the need to rebuild our middle class. But I think, uh, will they do anything material? Absolutely not. Right. These, these two are career politicians from the word go. So, you know, that's positive for the market and for risk assets. Uh, you know, conversely, if Trump remains in office and he continues to confront China, uh, you know, that's bad for growth. That's bad for margins. It's good for the middle class. It's good to uh, bring some economic vitality back to the country, which is desperately needed. But that's not necessarily good for risk assets and the stock market can be. But, you know, that's a that's a, a, a difficult needle to thread. So. You know, just kind of con from a contrarian perspective, I think, you know, Biden-Harris may not be as good long term for the country, but over the short term, they may be better for the market than, than what we have now. Well, good. Well, I think that's a good good stopping point. I'm sure this will be uh, just one of, of uh, a number of times we hit on uh, what's taking place across the political <laughs> spectrum in the next coming weeks. So um, stay tuned further for that. But until then, uh, thank you very much, Chris. We'll catch you soon. You bet. Sounds good, Dan.
does not verify, and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.